Welcome to Backlog Books. My name is Kara. My pronouns are she, her. This is the podcast where I spend a little time talking about what I've been reading lately. Please be prepared for spoilers. Whether you are a six books a year reader or a one book a year reader, thank you for joining me. I was originally going to be talking about a different book this week. However, the final book in this series is coming out next week on October 6th, 2020. So I decided it was time to reread where it all began. Let's get started. Today we are talking about The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. Here is the summary from the author's website. The most powerful advisor to the King of Sunus is the Magus. He's not a wizard. He's a scholar, an aging soldier, not a thief. When he needs something stolen, he pulls a young thief from the king's prison to do the job for him. Jen is a thief and proud of it. When his bragging lands him behind bars, he has one chance to win his freedom. Journey to a neighboring kingdom with the Magus, find a legendary stone called Hamiathes' gift, and steal it. The Magus has plans for his king and his country. Jen has plans of his own. The Thief was published in 1996. My copy has 280 pages, and I read it on August 22nd in 2020. Yes, in one day, don't judge me. Our author, Megan Whalen Turner, was born in 1965, and mostly she is known for writing The Thief and its sequels. She won three awards for The Thief in 1997, including a Newbery Honor, which is a runner-up award for the Newbery Medal. Okay, okay, okay. I can do this. I can be a normal person while talking about this book and this series. I can do it. Fingers crossed. This is one of my favorite series. It is so rewarding to read over again. Much like rereading a mystery and knowing the ultimate end, knowing what's coming, not just at the end of this book but in the following sequels, gives such a different meaning to the events that unfold here. This book falls under the young adult fantasy genre, which isn't really a helpful description because so much fits within that category. Our setting is vaguely Byzantine. It's a Mediterranean-style environment, and mostly our weapons are swords and crossbows, though there are also flintlock-style guns. Our focus is on three countries in a peninsula, Sunis, Edis, and Atolia. Edis is Switzerland, awkwardly making sure Sunis and Atolia don't kill each other and ruin trade across the peninsula. The Thief is written in first person. The narrator is Jen, our eponymous thief, in a prison in Sunis, swearing to himself never to take such stupid risks ever again. In retrospect, this is hilarious. Jen has landed himself in prison by bragging that he can steal anything and proving it by stealing the king's seal ring from the Magus, who is the king's closest advisor. Jen wants to be famous which seems like a bad thing for a thief to be. He's also young. Uh, An exact age isn't ever actually given for him, but I tend to think of him as around 15 in this book. After a few months in prison, the Magus summons Jen and offers him a chance to earn his freedom. The Magus needs a thief. Jen needs to not be in prison. It's a match made in heaven. The Magus refuses to tell Jen exactly what he'll be stealing until they're on the road. The next day, their group sets out, 
Jen, the Magus, Magus's two students, Ambiades and Sophos, and a soldier named Paul. We begin our road trip of destiny. This group sneaks away and begins their journey from Sunus through Edis to Atolia. Along the way, we finally learn what it is that Jen is meant to steal. Hamiathes's gift, a long-lost artifact rumored to be a gift from the gods given to a long-ago king of Edis. Once upon a time, the one who had the gift was considered the rightful ruler of Edis. The Magus wants the gift so he and the king of Sunus can force the queen of Edis to accept the king of Sunus's marriage proposal. For a relatively straightforward story about stealing a legendary treasure, there's a lot of background politics here. The Magus eventually confides that he wants Sunus and Edis to be united so that eventually all the countries in the little peninsula can act as one political unit rather than acting as three that work against each other. He's worried about a bigger threat, the Mede Empire across the sea. Anything named Empire is always looking to expand its borders, and the Magus knows it's only a matter of time before the Mede turn their attention to the little peninsula. On their own, these countries have no chance against the Mede, but united, they just might. Just like there are layers to the Magus's goals, there is more to Jen and his goals than meets the eye. The whole time, there's something a little weird about Jen. He has a stated goal, he wants to be famous. Initially, you think that maybe he thought that stealing the king's seal ring was his way to become famous? Then you find out about Hamiathes' gift and its storied history. Anyone who steals the gift and gives it can be a kingmaker. You get the sneaking suspicion that Jen knew ahead of time that the Magus was after the gift. This book is a really good example of an unreliable narrator. Jen is telling this story so he can decide what gets left out or how things are phrased so that the meaning is ambiguous. Jen is a thief and a liar, and he spends most of his time telling just enough of the truth to make you think what he wants you to think. On this cozy road trip of destiny, you get the history and politics of the Little Peninsula, and you also get to explore some myths of the world. How the Earth was lonely and created the sun and moon and sky. Of special interest to Jen are the stories of the God of Thieves. Jen heard all these stories from his mother, and though he doesn't believe in the gods, he believes in the stories his mother told him. There's a distinct Roman flavor to these myths, the sky having lightning bolts and the god of thieves stealing them to give to the ruler of the gods. I love the exploration of stories within stories. A creation myth can do more world-building than 500 pages of explanation. The first half of this book is all easy road-tripping and learning the history and politics of the lands. The conflict is interpersonal. This group is struggling to act as a cohesive unit. In theory, the Magus is in charge and has their goals set out, but it becomes increasingly apparent that each character has their own reason for being on this journey. They eventually achieve a tense equilibrium. But uh, no one is particularly happy that Jen is on this trip. Not even Jen. <laughs> The second half of the book is where it goes down like a lead balloon. They reach their destination, 
a hidden temple in Atolia, only accessible three nights during the year, dependent on the flow of a river. Now things start to get a little strange for Jen. He dreams of the temple before he ever goes inside. A woman in the temple in his dream writes his name down without him telling her what it is and warns him not to offend the gods. For two nights, Jen explores the temple and the maze inside, avoiding traps and carefully not looking at the piles of bones, which are all that remains of previous expeditions seeking to steal the gift. You finally get to see Jen a little in his element as a thief. He doesn't really have to sneak around as there are no people in the temple, but he has to pick locks and think his way through traps. This is made more difficult by the fact that things seem to move from where he puts them and doors close behind him. On the third night, Jen's last chance to get the gift before the river returns and locks the temple away for another year, he finds his way to the heart of the temple, and everything changes for him. Inside, the pantheon awaits. All the gods who Jen has heard stories about but never really believed in, each standing as still as a statue, but undoubtedly real and alive. The ruler of the gods herself, the great goddess Hephaestia, holds the gift out, waiting for the thief to take it. Imagine setting out to make a name for yourself by the skill of your own hand, and you make it. You feel so clever for getting to where you are on your own. Your goal is literally right in front of you. All you have to do is take it. Around you, the gods of your people stand and watch. In the corner is the woman from your dream, the one who knew your name before you spoke it aloud. Behind you is the god of thieves. The god you've made offerings to your whole career as a thief, purely out of superstition. The god speaks, and he tells you you have not offended the gods, and to take the gift. Poor Jen. All he wanted was fame, not to see the gods walking the earth. He takes the gift and he runs. He reunites with the group and shows them Hamiathes' gift, which just looks like a simple stone. Their little troop, which has been at odds with each other this whole time, is suddenly elated. They've achieved the impossible, or at least what hasn't been accomplished in almost 500 years. I say they, Jen did most of the hard work here. Jen is shaken by his encounter with the gods, who wouldn't be, but he's quick to adjust. It alters his understanding of the world, but he already had the framework for belief, built out of the stories his mother told him. Now he has something to hang on it. All this little group needs to do now is return safely to Sunis with a gift. But on their journey back, something goes wrong. Suddenly, they're being followed by Atolian soldiers and have to sneak and run, but they're caught and in the first skirmish, the gift, their whole reason for being on this expedition, is lost. It spent 500 years safe in a temple, and the Magus loses it after one day. This is why you can't have nice things, Magus. Now, with the gift lost, they just need to escape Atolia with their lives. And they almost make it. 
They're at the secret pass to cross from Atolia into Edis, neutral territory, only to find Atolian soldiers already there waiting for them. Jen is nearly killed in a very uncharacteristic attempt to give the Magus and the others a chance to escape. He's been pretty self-centered this whole time, focused on how he'll turn each situation to his own advantage, but when it comes down to fight or flight, he picks up a sword. He's facing unbeatable odds, but Jen is not one to back down from a challenge, and he gives an excellent showing before he's taken down. Their group is taken to an Atolian prison. The Queen of Atolia herself arrives at the prison. She wants to see these thieves. She has Sunus's chief advisor captive and a skilled thief there as well. She offers Jen a place at her court. Clearly a thief with Jen's skills would be useful, and clearly Jen has no particular loyalty to Sunus. He refuses on principle. Atolia is known to be ruthless. She leaves him to think about it, and while she's gone, Jen falls ill. He's still horribly wounded from the fight. Thinking that Jen is going to die, the Atolians leave him in a room with his thieves' tool. Ah, oh, that was pretty dumb. Jen gets up from his dreams of the gods talking to him and rescues himself and his companions. Talk about carrying a group project. Jen breaks them out of jail and leads their troop to safe, neutral Edis. I make this sound much easier than it was. This was very harrowing. Their group is taken to the Edisian court, and in front of the queen and all her ministers, Jen, taking this prime chance to be dramatic, reveals that he still has Hamiathes' gift. He stole it back from the Magus during that first skirmish. He hands the gift to the queen of Edis, giving her the power to be secure on her throne and not have to enter an unequal political marriage. Jen has achieved his goals, the obvious and the unstated, but the world has opened up for him. All he can think about now is the gods and the threat of the Mede Empire. The people he started this trip with, who he thought of merely as a means to an end, have become valued companions and friends. Though this book wraps up neatly, there's clearly a lot more in this world to be explored. The good news is that there are four more books, and the sixth and final book comes out very soon. The next couple of books follow Jen's astonishing rise to power in Edis and beyond. We get more involved in the politics of the Little Peninsula and meet new characters, and through them we learn more about the different aspects of the world including more myths and stories. Each book's narration moves further and further away from Jen, but he's always there in the background, pulling strings and being the dramatic sneak you know and love. My final word on The Thief. Obviously, I love it. It's so fun to read again, knowing what's coming next. I'm so ready for book six, and yet still so unprepared. Literally, the only thing I could think to recommend was the rest of this series, uh, especially the audiobooks, because Steve West does a great job as the narrator. I reached out to some people who also like this series, and they, thankfully, had some suggestions for you. For crafty, twisty scheming, try Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. 
For Adventure and the Unexpected, try Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. And that's a wrap. Join me next time to hear about buying the flowers yourself. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, if you are also super excited for the return of the thief, you can email me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon. 